You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon the podcast where we go long on endurance. We learn a little zen along the way and then also learn to improve ourselves a little bit along the way. We get the whole package right here on the Zen Tribe podcast. All right, we have a bunch of really cool stuff this episode. I've got your triathlon news. We're going to talk about Lionel Sanders, Patrick Lang- Lange, and Jan Ferdino, Lucy Charles, Danielle La Reef. Um, I need to mention uh, some nutrition stuff I figured out uh, with Rob Gray. Got to give him a shout out. And also an observation about social media that I've made. And an injury report. Oh my gosh, I'm so close to being healed up. Heal being the operative word. And then also I've decided to throw in the zen of anger. And hopefully if I can find time, a couple of tips. I thought I had them written down. Maybe I don't. Where do they go? And also on top of that, an interview with Jesse Sprague, the founder of Orange Mud. I just realized I might have been saying Jesse instead of Josh Sprague, (laughs) which is funny because I had like a friend growing up that was like Jamie, either Sprague or Spragans. I can't remember. That was so long ago. And so I, I get my J's mixed up with the Sprags. So anyway, it's Josh Sprague. Golly, Brett, you should know better than that. So if I say Jesse anywhere else later in the show, replace that with Josh. All right, let's get back. Orange Mud is the company that makes, it might've started out with uh, the bottle carriers. Uh, Yeah, he started out with a bottle carrier um, for while you're running and stuff. And then we, uh, he moved on to some other things and like there's these towels they have that wrap around and then these these running packs and stuff. And I'm always fascinated by people that turn endurance sports into a business and uh, successfully into a business and uh, how they did it. So we've got a really good interview uh, on that subject and all, all their features and stuff. And, and um, he's a really cool guy and he's uh, very easy to talk to. So it's a great interview. So I want you to check that out. All right. It's been a while since we had a show out, so let's not wait too long and let's get started with the news. Here we go. All right. I don't know which one to start with first, either Lionel Sanders or uh, Jan. <laughs> Jan, 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 Ferdino. I used to have a best friend when I was uh, in college named Jan. We all called him Jan. Anyway, we uh, have... Jan Ferdino out of commission. He will not be racing Kona. Kona is the big race coming up. The World Championships in Hawaii. Uh, what's the date in October? Is it October 9th? I forgot the exact date. But anyway, we have Jan Ferdino out with a stress fracture in his hip, the last I heard. Now, when I was watching the 70.3 Worlds that he was in and won, smashed it, actually, he uh, was running off the front. Oh, by the way, the it's on YouTube. Uh, 70, no, it's on Facebook. Anyway, I don't know, but it's on, it's either on YouTube or Facebook, uh, Ironman 70.3 world South Africa. And it is an awesome, 
awesome race. The men's pro race is fantastic. The um, it comes down to Alistair Brownlee, who is just the the most amazing shorter distance triathlete probably ever, and then Jan Ferdino and Javier Gomez, who is um, winning everything and uh, has been and it's down to the wire at the end they're running they all finish like within a minute of each other over half iron man it's crazy good racing but anyway during the race i was like gosh uh yawn is skinny he's i just made that just a mental observation man he is skinny i hope he's not too skinny because i got too skinny one time and uh you're you're good for a while but then it catches up with you and uh, you actually feel better for a while, especially if you've like done a diet change, like vegan or something like that. All that nutrition from the from the um, veggies, right? It's just all the vitamins and minerals like make you feel good. But then, if you're not eating enough, uh, you and maybe if you need meat or whatever, that's your own thing. Then, um, uh, after a while, the it's it's like a version of malnutrition uh, if you're not eating enough and triathletes are exercising like freaking crazy so the amount of calories you go through is pretty wild so it's easy to get an an eating disorder in the way that you're trying to go for performance and get and get lean and then start having issues and um that was the consensus of when the news popped up that he got a stress fracture um diagnosed like a week after the race or something like that then um you typically don't get a stress fracture in a healthy, you know, 30-something-year-old in, in your hip. You know, that's like something that uh, somebody in their 80s would get. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that for sure. That's just what I read. And, yeah, uh, maybe he is uh, too skinny. And I thought that was funny that I made that observation, at the, you know, during the race. I was like, golly, he looks uh, a little underweight. So he is out, and let that be a lesson to us. Uh, even if that's not what it is, I'm not saying that's why uh, he got a stress fracture. Um but be careful with trying to be super lean and racing triathlon that it may sound like a good idea and it may be attractive, an attractive idea uh, for you, but you could overdo it. So be careful. All right. And then we move on to uh, Jan Ferdino's big competition, um, Lionel Sanders. Oh, let's mention uh, Patrick Lang first. Patrick Lang is he's he won last year um lionel sanders got second and i noticed a comment that patrick lang um is kind of flying below the radar either either on purpose or by accident like he's not having like the most spectacular results as usual or something but i didn't really follow him before um he won so i don't know if his results are upper or higher or lower you know than before myself but that was an observation that I read. And that's very typical. Here's another thing. That's very typical of, of um, winners of Kona or any big race. Western States, 100, um, lots of things. Not just races, but just lots of things in life where you um, are very successful and get a whole lot of attention. Well, the magic that you used to get, where you, to, get to the point where you won in life um, is now contaminated because now you're getting interviewed all the time and you're having to do sponsor, uh, you have to show up for sponsors and do presentations and do meet and greets and book signing or, you know, uh, autographing and 
go here. And, and then also a whole lot of opportunities. The girl that won Western States last year, Kat Brad, I think was her name. Um, she didn't even race the next year, this year, because of, um, it was, uh, she said she was, she noticed that she was getting too tired and stuff from all the opportunities that popped up. So that's very typical. Um, do not be surprised if Patrick Lang um, does not repeat. Uh, and that's okay. That's just the way the world works. Um, and a good chance for repeat, I read one time, is somebody that gets like, you know, 10th, 5th, 2nd, and then boom, they win. Typically they move up. And I, yeah, I think Patrick Lang got second last year, the year before last year, and then boom, won. And um, Lionel Sanders, <laughs> this is some great stuff. Lionel Sanders has been posting these crazy videos on, um, on YouTube. He's got his own channel on YouTube. And really, it's another uh, Talbot Cox, I think is his name, is actually the, the videographer. He's the one that makes the videos. And he visits pros and takes videos and then publishes them. But Lionel Sanders is uh, much faster than me, but a lot like me, in that he is fascinated by the science of what it takes to improve the body and go faster. I just find it absolutely the most interesting thing in the world that, with, that there's formulas out there to make you perform better. And what are they? Because they're a little bit different per person, but let's discover them and use them. And... So Lionel already has a habit of posting like these really detailed things of how he trains and whatever. And he gets a lot of criticism for it because he also experiments a lot like what I do because he's trying to nail down for him I, what works. And like me, I don't think he would be happy if someone just told him how to do it and then he did it. He kind of, in a weird way, he kind of needs to own it. Like he, he needs to figure it out for himself. <laughs> it would be a whole lot easier to uh, win if somebody, if he would follow the advice of all the people that are trying to give him advice on how to do things right, but he's doing things his own way, um, but they're working, and well, mostly. But if you could go back over the past few videos, I would start with the um, maybe the one before Armand Montreblanc, but the ones about Armand Montreblanc. He had a terrible race, and he was trying to figure out why. Well, it turns out he was messing with his diet, like we were just talking about. And he was under eating and I guess trying to do fat burning and stuff like that. Kind of a low carb thing going into the race. And he sucked during the race. And even if you do low carb stuff, the, the consensus is if you do low carb, you don't do it during an Ironman uh, or leading up to an Ironman. Uh, you do it in training and then racing. You do uh, high carb as much as you possibly can. And the, the time and training got your um metabolism uh cranking and now the high carb time is uh is uh during your race rob gray who we're going to talk about in a minute uh preaches that pretty good and um so lionel had this terrible race and then a week out of uh montreblanc a week afterwards he decided this video went up where he decided to do a self-supported Ironman and test out changing his diet back to the way it was and and um, testing out his nutrition plan for the race. 
to to regain confidence basically you can just tell he says it at one point to regain confidence in himself and his abilities because he just screwed up this one race so bad and he wants to win kona and kona's coming up really soon and this blows people's mind that somebody can go out and do an Ironman for training. But honestly, when you're averaging 24, 25 miles per hour on the bike, um, the amount of miles you cover, and also when you run as fast as he does, the amount of miles you cover is so is goes by so fast that, um, you know, a whatever hour training day for him is you're covering just massive amount of miles. So it's actually not that, it's not that crazy. And then the other thing he did is he cut the run short and he cut the run in half because the run's very abusive on the body. Get your hip stress fractures. And so he uh, cut the run short so that he could um, uh, recover faster from it. So it was like an Ironman, but the, the, um, the marathon was only half as long, 13.1 miles. And he he posted that he was going to do that and then he starts off and then the video stops and then it's like more next week and a week later you're going to get the rest of the video and this was like a week ago or more and <laughs> slow twitch the internet forums just like freaked out they're like this is some people love it and a lot of people just hate it they're like what is he doing oh my gosh this guy he's totally like screwing up his life who would go and do something like this? And also, his nutrition plan is the stupidest nutrition plan I've ever heard. Uh, not, I'm not saying that. This is what people are saying. Because I've tried it, and it actually works pretty good. Um, <clears throat> his nutrition plan is comp- only Gatorade Endurance, just liquid. And um, he would get... He figured out his uh, how frequently he'd get a bottle on the bike... And it turns out that that's exactly what he wanted. And it adds up to the right amount of calories. It's a bottle every 25 minutes. And he ends up with like 450 calories per hour on the bike doing that. And then... What is that next to me? Is that a Mercedes V8 bi-turbo all-wheel drive? That is a nice car. Anyway, the um, he's... Causing uh, issues with people that think that you can't do all liquid, for people that think you can't do all Gatorade, for people that think all this stuff, that people have a lot of opinions and biases on on how things actually work. When one, things work differently per person, and two, you might be wrong. And <clears throat> so there's all this arguing and like people like getting crazy on slow twitch. And one person's like, he's just a troll. I don't even know if he's even doing this for real. He's just saying he is to get this competition freaked out. <laughs> And then the, the crazy thing is the video leaves you hanging. And then the guy that makes the videos got on the forum and he said, you'll find out what happens in a week. And um, a week goes by and the people start going, where's the video? We want the video. <laughs> what happens? And, oh, and then Lionel's talking about he's going to wear a fanny pack on the run with a full size. It'll hold a full size, mostly a uh, water bottle with his own, uh, with, with Gatorade Endurance in it. And I don't know how many bottles of Gatorade Endurance he was talking about doing it. And, but then in this video, he goes over the science, uh, the chemistry and the science and the physics of how much water he's losing, um, the sweat rate, the salt rate, uh, the carbohydrate rate, um, yeah, sodium and, and uh, 
I mean, it just he gets like super deep in it for a little bit, and he goes over all the numbers and all the calculations and weighing himself and everything, and how much it actually takes of what fuel and why his fueling plan will work. And also, the consensus is his numbers are rock solid. Like they, and if you want a primer on what knowing your nutrition and your uh, your intake versus your your loss rates are you got to watch that video and it's it's absolute there's there's moments in there where it's he's doing it like so right so cool and and if you want to be good at triathlon um you ought to pay attention to that because the numbers are real and also but if you if you don't believe in the numbers you know it won't affect you for a while but an iron man is so long that eventually uh, not paying attention to the numbers will catch up with you. Not taking enough carbs, not taking enough sodium, not taking enough liquid to replace the liquid that you're sweating out. It'll catch up. So it's real. It's very, very real. Anyway, the second video drops per se. And um, the way the first video had uh, ended, it made it seem like he completely um, failed, right? Just the editing of it made it seem he failed. Well, it was a trick. <laughs> Lionel Sanders went out there and swam the swim in 53 minutes, averaged 320 watts or something like that on the bike uh, for 112 miles uh, on a loop, on a one-mile loop, and then ran the uh, half marathon at some crazy pace, right? And his his uh, he says, and it looks like his hydration and nutrition... Um, was spot on, like he nailed it. And so he got his confidence back and everything. So that's what's going on with Lionel Sanders. And something, I think he might have already gone to Hawaii to start training there. I think Lionel Sanders, uh, big problem, his big problem that he'll have to face, and you, know, you got Jan with his hip injury, and you got Patrick Lang with maybe too much exposure and not being able to train, like do the magic sauce again this year. Um, Lionel Sanders, his issue is he gets too much in his own head and overthinks things, and I do too. And that's uh, and he gets too experimental and tries different things because he's he's just uncertain, unsure of himself because maybe there's another edge to be gotten. And, and yeah, maybe it's unsure. You know, he just has belief that there's um, there's even more gains to be made, um, and he's just fascinated and just loves the science you know, of the whole thing. And it is, it is really cool. So go and check out Lionel Sanders, uh, video diary. Um, then let's see, I've been watching a little bit of the, um, women's race. Oh, Angela Nath. I did, it's not even my notes, but I just noticed that Angela Nath is going to be in the race. Um, she's back. She's a long time, uh, recurring guest on Zen Tri and Jocelyn McCauley is going to be there so look for them two to battle out those two are badass and then the top top contenders are um and these the two i just mentioned could easily win two i mean you just never know on, on race day what can happen but uh daniella reef is just killing it in her training and racing she looks uh flawless uh, a lot of these former Olympic ITU pros are so polished and know what they're doing, like Jan Ferdino, um, know what they're doing that um, they just execute and then they keep to themselves and then they execute and keep to themselves. 
and then show up on race day and just murder it. It's absolutely awesome to watch. Um, so ex- it looks like expect the same Daniela Reef that we've always gotten, which she seems unbeatable. But then uh, Lucy Charles is doing really well in training, and she got second last year, and she was a big surprise, and she was only 23 last year, I think. And so she's only going to, if she doesn't get injured, um, she's only going to get better and better and better. So right now it looks like she would be Daniela Reef's uh, big competition, and it looks like um, she's going to be racing, and things are looking good. Um, as you get closer to race day, crazy things happen. We've already had Jan Ferdino have to drop out. I'd say out of 10 pros, you're going to get two. Um on average that have to drop out for some sort of reason, like some sort of random injury or some sort of life circumstance, maybe not two, maybe one, but it definitely happens. Okay. So that's all the uh, major triathlon news. I've been watching for bikes. (laughs) I want to see if there's a new bike. Anyway, uh, other stuff, Rob Gray, Rob Gray. I had a coaching call with him and he gave me tips. We talked for about an hour and he gave me tips on nutrition um, I basically was able to ask him all my dumb questions about high carb, low carb, intensity, um, mostly about nutrition, not, not so much about intensity, but, um, uh, like Lionel says, I know how to train myself. It's just my nutrition that's kind of messed up and I need help. And it really fixed so much of my stuff. Um, I don't even know how to put my finger on it, but all those dumb questions I got out of my way asking a uh, bona fide, awesome nutrition coach um, worked. And so I cannot recommend him enough. You can go to robgray.org, uh, R-O-B-G-R-A-Y, robgray.org to find out more about him. He is a ultraman. Did he win twice? Um, he's an ultraman champion. So he qualifies for Kona all the time. He's a little bit older. He's my age. He's like 40-something. So he's mature. He's logical. He's super smart. And um, he will sit down with you and tell you, yeah, that doesn't work, or yeah, that does work. And um, you can schedule like calls with him. Or sign Man, if you want him as your coach full-time, go check him out. So I owe him that shout-out because I haven't put out a show since I talked to him. <laughs> And it was an awesome talk. So I cannot give him enough credit and go check him out. RobGray.org fixed me a lot. And so, for example, um, my biking has gone, my FTP has gone up about 20 points lately. And so now my, I know that to qualify for Kona, I need to average a two, I need to average about 240 watts. And uh, for like five hours or something like that. And my two hour long, I'll run for an hour and then immediately get on the bike and ride two hours. So I'm into like two hour, two hour, three on the bike basically. And I'm averaging like 260 (laughs) watts. And I was just like, whoa. And it's by it's by fueling smarter and eating smarter just overall. And so I'm like, oh, well. So that's like two hours, three hours, 260 watts. So you knock that down to 240 watts and don't try it, you know, back off the effort a little bit. 
then um, yeah, you could stretch that out for possibly four or five hours, you know? So I'm like super, super happy. Um, I'm just killing it on some, some of my bike rides. I'm averaging 270 watts for an hour. And you know, that's not sustainable for very long, but I've done it for two hours, uh, 265, 200, you know, whatever. And um, I just can't believe it. So that's some of the results that Rob Gray can get for you as well. Um, so my social media observation is um, as I cut back on making shows, and I'm about to explain what happened, um, uh, why, I noticed that the less I posted stuff on social media, the less I engaged in forums, the less I made podcasts, whatever, the faster I got. <laughs> so the, the lesson is... Um, we waste a lot of time worrying about other people's stuff or getting involved in other people's things. And you'll notice that um, a lot of people that are really, really fast at triathlon, they don't watch a lot of TV and they don't, um, they don't do a lot of social media is the new thing that I'm noticing. There was a direct correlation between um, not posting as much about my workouts and everything else and then my workouts getting faster or spending less time on social media trying to be, um, I would say snarky or whatever, but making comments on things and being silly or fun or, you know, just being involved in stuff. I didn't have time because I was really working on my own thing. And yeah, so if you want to get faster, look at how much you do social media and how much time you spend talking about triathlon and spend a little bit more time doing triathlon. Okay, there's that and... Um, do a little bit of an injury report it seems like i've had plantar fasciitis for like two years now i'm working on three years <laughs> and it's really depressing and it sucks and everything and it seems like it's all gone except i have a bit of what feels kind of like a heel spur under my right plantar fasciitis is where your arches are sore and tight and they start to hurt the more you do well the tendon that connects the underside of my right foot to my heel is still inflamed a little bit and it seems like it's um, due to a tight right calf. And when that tightens up, it doesn't, it pulls the tendon, it's all connected. So it pulls the tendon under the foot hard against the heel bone and it irritates it. And um, so it seemed, the good thing is that that's it. That's my last thing. My left hip hurts off and on but I think my saddle was too far back or something like that. But the, um, that's my last thing that I got to work on. And I think I figured out that I was letting my, my instep roll in. And then also I'm letting my heat, my uh, calf get tight overnight. And there's a cure for that. Uh, you wear what's called a night boot and that keeps your, uh, foot from, uh, dorsal flexing and tightening up your calf. So your calf actually heals, um, stretched out overnight and then when you get up and walk you don't have to rip everything apart all that healing um to get going again when it healed in a contracted position it actually heals overnight in a elongated position if you wear a night boot and so i need to be doing that more often and, I, and then i think we're there i'm like super excited all right we are going to cover some tech stuff hopefully if nobody breaks in on the phone i'm out running errands always the triathlete lifestyle doing stuff actually i'm uh 
going to the grocery store and getting several things, but one thing I'm getting is Icy Bay IPA. For some reason, I can drink an IPA after a workout and it doesn't affect me negatively and I'm actually better the next day. That's the beauty of documenting things. Um, anyway, that's a, oh man, that's such a good beer. I found that's the one that just works. But let's see, we have oh, our tech stuff. Okay, first thing is if you have a, let's say you have AirPods. We're going to cover AirPods, Garmin watch, and then a funny thing. If you have AirPods and you have multiple sets of AirPods in your house, you might have the chance uh, for Kai's Christmas gift. I bought him a set of AirPods because he's always uh, out running and he thinks they're super cool and all that stuff. He probably lost one of them and had to order another one, which I knew was coming. Actually, I made him pay for it. <laughs> out of his out of his savings but um if you have multiple sets of airpods in your life that can get confusing because they only come in one color which is white and they're uh they're easy to confuse with somebody else's so you may have like people's at work it doesn't have to be somebody else in your family uh you know friends and stuff that have airpods if you ever find yourself going are these my airpods are these your airpods because they're very hard to um discern the difference i've got a trick and i've done it god a year ago and it still it still works it's still holding up is fingernail polish if you i used red um i took emily's fingernail polish and with the with the brush put the tiniest tiniest dot of red on well i put a, a medium you know like a a millimeter across um or two on the case so i can just pick up the case and it's got a red dot on it and it doesn't have to look good or anything like that and that's that's my airpods case okay but then what about the uh the actual earpieces themselves well the earpieces you can um put a red dot down towards the bottom you know where the silver is so just a couple millimeters up from where the silver is um put a red dot but put it on the insides the part that faces your cheek and I did it forever ago, and it's still there. And that dot is just tiny, 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 tiny. I mean, the smallest dot you can possibly put. No one ever notices it, but then if you ever want to know if those are yours or, man, let's say you're worried about somebody stealing yours and you want to say, um, no, those are mine, um, you can do that. Also, along with that, you can buy silicone um, ear, uh, AirPod headphone covers and... Um, They'll keep their AirPods in your ears while you're running and stuff like that. AirPods are still by far the best headphones uh, out there for working out at the moment. And let's see. There was something else. Oh, speaking of AirPods and headphones, I'm in the habit of walking out to the pool deck, still listening to music or whatever. And then I get in the, I put my headphones away and my phone's nearby. And, um, but you, the, you could still be like close to your locker or whatever. Um, but I'm swimming and then your watch, if you have a Garmin, this, this works for a lot of watches, but the one I'm talking about specifically that I know this, the uh, menu options I'm about to tell you, Garmin 935 and the, uh, Garmin Phoenix. I was going to my phone, but well, you're swimming and you're, um, your watch keeps buzzing and beeping every time it picks up a Bluetooth signal from your phone. But then you stick your hand underwater and then it loses the signal and then you bring it back up and then it gets the signal again. 
over and over and over again. If this annoys you, um, you can turn off your Bluetooth. And for the longest time, I was turning off the Bluetooth on my phone by going through the phone menu and turning it off that way. Um, which is sometimes very inconvenient because you've left your phone back in your locker or something like that. Um, obviously, there's a way to turn off the Bluetooth on your watch. And um, it's actually super, super simple um, to do at the last minute uh, or if it starts bothering you. If your Bluetooth losing signal on your watch and regaining it is uh, beeping and buzzing and annoying you. If you hold down the top left button, which is the light button, if you hold it down for a few seconds... Um, it switches to a mode where it shows a whole bunch of things. And one of them is the Bluetooth. And you do the top right button, I think, to turn it off. And then also the top right button to turn it back on. And yeah, you've just now disconnected the Bluetooth of your watch from your phone. And from many other things, I guess, if it's connected. And that's uh, really, really cool. And also, I use my Garmin watch... Uh, your 935 or your Phoenix will do this. I use it to broadcast my heart rate on the bike. I don't wear a heart rate strap on the bike right now. Um, and my watch seems to be doing it just fine. And what you can do is you can, because I have a dedicated bike computer. But if you, um, what, was the fa- what was the fastest way? You hit the bottom left button. Yeah. And that takes you into the heart rate mode of your watch or widget um well then and it just shows you your heart rate over the past few hours and your current heart rate like on a graph that's it well if you hit your top right button after that no right shit wrong button if you hit your middle left button and hold it down um then it goes to heart rate options you top right click that that's a yes and then go down two clicks and it's broadcast heart rate and now your watch is broadcasting heart rate over ant i don't think it does it over bluetooth it does it over ant plus and you can uh, pick that up uh, on your bike computer or something else whatever you're doing picking up your heart rate typically it's your bike computer or your zwift or something like that um and yeah that's how you can use your wrist as a heart rate strap um for other devices to pick up Garmin doesn't own Bluetooth. It owns Ant, and so they're really slow on uh, pushing stuff out to Bluetooth. And anyway, what was the other thing? Hmm. Yeah, there was that and that. Um, Let me give you a uh, life tip. I just figured out, even though I'm 45 years old and an adult, and I just realized this the other day, but I love these little life solutions that are kind of handy, is... I go to Freebirds World Burrito and I get a burrito and you know I got my hands full, I got a laptop, I got all this crap. I got a basket with my burrito in it and my drink and now I'm starting to try to pour my drink and then I go over to the lids and I start trying to put a straw, I put a lid on the cup and then I start putting a straw through the lid and I've got people around me as typical, right? You've know all this thing or other people are trying to get drinks and stuff and I'm sitting there screwing around with the... the um, the lid and the straw thing trying to get it to fit a lot of times it doesn't fit especially if there's people behind you you start getting all discombobulated and you get the this the the lid not fitting correctly and then you bend it and it doesn't work and blah, blah, right here's a life pro tip when you go 
to the drink machine counter whatever that's got your uh paper cups wax cups and you're pouring ice and then you're drinking it and then you're going to put a lid on it take the lid and the straw and carry it off somewhere else and don't try to put it on there at the uh, counter where everybody else is trying to get around you go take it and put it on your cup back at your table or something like that get out of the way and a lot of you might know this and be like yeah but honestly like it just dawned on me i go man this is a much smarter way to go through life is to quit fiddling with that thing right there um go do it somewhere else (laughs) and get out of everybody else's way anyway i thought i would uh share that moment of um of clarity with you Oh, and I just thought of something else. Sorry, I've moved locations and I <laughs> I was ordering these and I thought I need to add this to the list. On Amazon, I went and found, um, you can get them anywhere, a uh, hardware store, colored zip ties. And you can get different sizes. Small ones are better for what I'm about to tell you. Um, multicolor. And they come in like, not just like red, blue, green, like primary colors. They come in like pastel, well, like a rainbow of colors. And that's really cool. Because what you can use them for is to tie off, tie one off on um, cables that you use, like your iPhone cable or your Garmin watch charging cable or your Suunto watch charging cable and the lists go on and on and on. I've got a drawer, two drawers full of just cables. And a few years ago, I had a spare, I had a cable that I was trying to figure out um, how to how to uh, separate it from all the rest of the cables because I was always digging that one cable out and it looks like the rest of them, but it's different. And to do so, um, I put a colored zip tie on it and let's say it was pink or yellow and man it is easy to find that zip tie like every single time and it's easy to tell somebody else that's in another room or digging through an equipment bag or something like that i need the charger for my um, bike computer and they're like which one is it and you're like it's the cable with the green zip tie on it and they're like oh yeah here it is so anyway i was ordering some of those and i thought i would mention that in this set of stuff. All right, back. Get it? Okay. So there's all that. Okay, we got the one last thing, the zen of anger before we get into the interview. So another thing that I've been missing about uh, putting out shows is the past five shows or 10 or something like that, I've been talking a little bit more about zen. And it's fun. It's really good. I've been getting a really good reaction about it uh, from it. So I've been wanting to put out a show to talk about Zen, and there's so many topics. There's the Zen angle on everything, everything. And once you get it, you get it, and it's, it's really cool. And so I like talking about it to um, help people get it because um, I think that more people need to know about Zen and, um, and how it works because it is, it's basically a philosophy, and it makes life so much better. So let's talk about Zen and anger. Um, I recently heard somebody asking a question that he noticed after practicing Zen for a while that he had anger issues and they seemed to be going away. And his moment of enlightenment about that 
was he was asking like is it something to do with like i i let myself feel the anger more and then then it passes somehow is that what's going on and i told him yes okay what is going on is if if you don't feel your feelings in the moment then you kind of repress them and then you don't like fully process them and then you don't get closure on them so the zen thing is to always be present with the now right so that's that's your little reminder be be with the now so when you get really angry with something you and this can go really sad you know or whatever but let's do anger um, this even applies to happiness if you want but the um you get really angry at something the right thing to do isn't act super angry you know and feel your feelings that way that's that'll just lead to problems but the right thing to do is feel the anger like running through your body and say this is what ang- this is what we'll say my name this is what brett feeling angry is like feels like and you'll feel your like your pulse right your blood pressure go up and like your it depends on you you know do you clench your fist or like sh- your hands shake or you just feel like adrenaline running through your body and um you put, you've got your own little nervous ticks when you get angry, your own little reactions. Um, do you raise your voice if uh, you yell or something like that? Let's say it's in traffic and you're by yourself. You're like, yeah, you know, why'd you do that? <laughs> and um, so you have all these feelings about anger, but then watch this. In a little while, a few minutes after the incident, the uh, feelings go away. So the the feelings are are authentic. They're real. They should not be denied. That's how you really feel. And that's okay. Um, but notice that these sensations, these it's a lot of uh, adrenaline and other hormones like you know that are actually running through your body. It's like fight or flight and you're going to fight. That's what anger is. And you, um, you'll notice that after a little while, a few minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes at most, like they go away. They're gone. Okay, and now your body is back to normal. And so if your body can process these feelings and get them out of the way, then if you're still holding, holding them in your, in your head, you're imagining this and you are actually propagating the, ang- the story of the anger in your head um, and watch, like you'll forget about it for a little bit and start thinking about it again and watch. You can recreate that body feelings. Like you start getting angry and like uh, you start getting those body feelings again from your rage and frustration. When now it's like a choice that you made to recreate or continue the angry situation in your mind. The situation in which you got angry about is long gone, <laughs> you know? But if you reminisce, ruminate about it, you can re- these feelings like start coming up again. And there's no point in that because the other thing is about the here and the now is if your brain and your body is full of emotional baggage from something that happened a year ago or last week or what you should have said to that guy earlier uh, yesterday or something, then you, um, your body's busy and you're tormenting yourself and now you're unavailable to experience um the the other feelings of of what's going on around you or observe other things going around you because you've preoccupied your mind with stuff that doesn't even isn't even happening anymore 
Um, an analogy would be uh, it's really hard to get a new girlfriend when you've already got a girlfriend. <laughs> that might, you might run into a problem. So your, your social life and your commitments and your relationship status is, assigned, is already assigned. So um, if you, it's already occupied. And so you can't, if you were single and you met somebody that you, that you really liked, then like you could date them. But you can't because you're um, you're 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 carrying the I don't want to say baggage or load or something like that because that's negative um, of but you're you're involved with something else right um, you can't buy a new car until you sell your old car a lot of times because you got to sell your old car to um, to get the money to buy the new car right so you're doing the same thing with your emotions uh, with anger you need to learn to uh, let it go so that you can move move on and experience other things. Uh, you're missing other things in life like happiness and, and uh, uh, sorrow and other things uh, because you're busy thinking about other things that you're being angry about. But again, the trick is, is to feel the anger fully and feel what it's doing to your body and pay attention to it. Pay attention to the now, let it process through and then when it's done, you're done. You'll notice it's done. And then you say, okay, we're done with that. And then move on to your other thing. And then watch, it is crazy. Your feelings are temporary, but something in your mind makes you think that they're permanent at the moment, that you're gonna feel that way forever. Once you know that your feelings are temporary and they're gonna pass, the amount of liberation and uh, freedom that you realize in your life is just absolutely crazy. You can be like, yeah, I'm really angry about that right now, but this afternoon I won't be. So, <laughs> and then this afternoon, somebody that afternoon, somebody would go, Hey, weren't you really angry about that? Can you believe that thing that this morning? And you're like, well, yeah, but no, I'm working on this and I got to do my other thing. And it's like, Whoa. And that's where you get that Zen cool and calm that people think is so magical. Um, it's really based on just uh, managing your emotions a whole lot better not flying around on magic carpets or anything like that. Okay. Let's see. That is all of the Zen stuff. I'm sure I'll think of more things after the interview, but let's go ahead and get started with my buddy, Jesse Sprague. And we're talking about orange mud and the story behind it and how he grew it into a big company and ups and downs. We even talk about the stitching on the backpacks. That's how close we get into it, how deep we get into it. And um, it's it's really, really cool. And yeah, maybe Lionel Sanders uh, ought to look into getting an orange mud um, fanny pack of some sort uh, to run to run with better. And uh, instead of whatever he had on, I think it was crazy looking. All right, that's it. Let's begin the interview. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Hey, Brett. Yeah, man. Hey, so sorry. I was on another podcast that ran late here this morning. <laughs> we had a little technical side on the early uh, early part of the call. Yeah. So, yeah, terribly sorry. I'm normally not a guy that ever runs late. Oh, man. my um, I've learned on my laptop when I record a podcast, if my laptop hasn't been very recently rebooted, yeah. the Skype recording, the person on the other end of Skype can't hear me. Oh, really? Yeah, I can hear them, but they can't hear me. Yeah, and 
<clears throat> and so after a few calls with some really important people that made me look really dumb, <laughs> I finally figured out the bug, you know, and it was just so, uh, so like, um, uh, about to call you, I know now, you know, to reboot my laptop, but, and then yeah. that way you can hear me, but yeah, the, uh, the, the technical difficulties are classic with podcasting. That's what, Oh, it's crazy. Well, and, and like, yeah. I'm one of them guys that I update my phone. Every, I'm really nerdy about this. Uh -huh. I update my, my all my apps on my phone every day. Like mm -hmm. I go to bed. I wake up in the morning and I go really? to bed every day. I update everything. And it's just it's just a weird thing. I hate – like I'm an email Nazi. When it comes to managing my email, <laughs> I, I always make sure – I go to bed at the end of every day knowing that I have no pending task. You know, there's, there's things to do, of course, but, but I will respond. I'm like, okay, I will respond to you tomorrow or I will get this done tomorrow. You know, that's the way I am. Wow. So when I see like the, my little notification, I have like 27 updates. Mm -hmm. It just unnerves me. So I just always update. Well, so we, and we have our own podcast too, uh -huh. and we use Skype and audio hijack mm -hmm. and, and inevitably right at the beginning of a podcast, it'll say Skype needs to be updated or audio hijack needs to be updated. And I'm like, oh, do I do this now? And I, and normally I, I'm good now. I don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Or I try to do it, you know, the day before just to be safe. Like I did it a while back and the whole call only recorded me. It didn't record my uh. guests. And I was <laughs> pissed. <laughs> so, you know, it was so That's frustrating. So I'm like, ah, and I felt so horrible. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I wasted an hour of your time. Like yeah. we need to do this again. Um, the only good part was it ended up being a better call, but, uh, yeah. but it, it's, it is, yeah, it's, uh, the tech side is always frustrating and, and our side, we're generally pretty good. You know, obviously a lot of people, if they've never been on a podcast before, Skype's usually the first hurdle, right. usually at a coffee shop and you hear like everything on the planet behind mm -hmm. them. And, yeah, they um, all <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, I had a guy on our podcast last week mm -hmm. that's, um, he like right at the start of the call while I'm shooting the intro, I hear him like sucking on his bong and it was the funniest thing. I it took all of my being. I'm like, is that really happening right now? Because like, I hear this gurgling and a little bit of small cough in the backside. I'm like, oh my god. I had I, I when I told my audio editor, I'm like, hey man, we got to edit that out. I really yeah. want to leave it in, but in his take, yeah, I yeah that would be up. awesome to leave in. But you don't know the implications. Of yeah, what would happen yeah. down the road with that? Because that that is gold right there. But yeah, you got Oh, it. seriously. I, yeah. I did send it to like my social manager, a few other my buddies. I'm like, you got to listen, just listen to the first 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and they all were laughing so hard. I mean, it, it really it in the guy, he was just one of them guys where it, it just it was, it was expected. <laughs> it was just hilarious. But, but, um, but yeah, yeah, the tech is always fun. That's for sure. Keeps us going, right? Yeah. Yeah. I work in a uh, government IT. And oh, okay. on purpose, we have to not be the bleeding edge uh, for stability purposes. Sure, yeah. Um, bleeding edge is a hazard um, because if it breaks stuff, people expect to pay their utility bill and there not to be any problems. They don't want the cutting edge, <laughs> you know, method to pay their utility bill. Yeah. They just want to pay their utility bill. And if you implemented something that's incompatible with something else because it's cutting edge and you broke the whole system, then yeah, you've got, you get called to the carpet. Why did you do that? Um, exactly. You let, you let patches stay out in the field for months before you implement them to see how yep. they, how they actually react. And then when a new patch comes out, you actually implement the old patch. 
<laughs> exactly. I know. Well, and don't you wish you could go backwards? Yeah. You know, there's there's been plenty of times when uh-huh. I upgraded and I'm like, dang, I just want to go backwards. You yeah. know, and especially running a business like we do, there's been updates that like Apple has done mm-hmm. that has made it not work with various key apps or things we use to e-com for events and sure. stuff yeah. and various things. And I'm just like, oh, man, what? There, there should be a rollback. But right. they're there often is not whenever is whenever we have to implement a change in the system we have to submit it if it's a big enough change um, we have to submit it to a board and it takes a week to get on the board's uh radar they meet about it once a week and in they all go over it and then there has to be a back out plan what is the plan when it doesn't work yeah yeah it's crazy these are big systems yep. though stuff so. yeah, yeah yeah sure that's the whole nother yeah. level <laughs> all right well you ready to start Let's do it, man. All right. I am here with Josh Sprague. 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 How do you Sprague. say Sprague. Sprague. Third time's a charm. Yep. <laughs> I don't it's think I've right. heard your last name said correctly by you. So yeah. the um, <laughs> Josh is with Orange Mud, and uh, we got put in touch with each other, and I was really excited to talk with him because I've actually got some Orange Mud stuff. I've got an Orange Mud towel, which is one of your huge hits. And the, uh, I have a son that's on a kid's triathlon team and we were at an event and it may have been nationals or something like that, youth nationals. And they had these, uh, towels that were so unique and cool that uh, we bought a whole bunch of them and then sent them off to get embroidered with the team name. Nice. Very cool. I didn't I, know that. No, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, really cool. And I actually didn't know they came in all these colors. I was looking at your website and uh, all the different colors of the towels is really cool. And also, I'm actually, even though the name of the podcast is uh, Zen and Yard Triathlon, I do a lot of trail running. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what your uh, initial backpack solution, so, uh, Quiver, I don't know, you can tell us what exactly you want us to call it, but it solves a problem that I actually have running in that running with a camelback or something similar to that it even though i'm tall it still um rubs against the top of my lower back and swings all over the place and i have to have a chest strap solution and stuff like that to hold it in place and um orange mud if people want to go check it out orangemud.com is let me double check. It's .com, right? Yes. It is. Yes. It's yes. <laughs> smart. <laughs> and then yep. uh, um, you were the first one to come up with a water bottle holder in the, in, centered in the middle of the back to keep it from bouncing around. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. At least first that I ever saw. Uh, yeah. According so, to our patents. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you better be the only one, right? Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? Because also the other thing that uh, I want you to um, not hold back on is tell us about how you came up with orange mud as a concept and as, as a business, because a lot of us podcasters, a lot of us triathletes are also kind of entrepreneurial and mm-hmm. always messing around with stuff and trying to invent stuff. I've created so many hacks and devices and stuff to add to my bike. For example, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And you're doing something that um, a lot of us uh, wish we had the guts to do or may have tried, but didn't follow all the way through. And you're actually uh, really successful at it. So Run with it. Tell us how you sure. came up with all this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, uh, so yeah, so Orange Mud, we, we designed backpacks, um, for running and riding is the whole focal point. 
And the initial start really came from the triathlon space. So it was after doing Ironman uh, St. George. I think it was 2010 Mm -hmm. that I did it. 2010, 2011. It was the first year, whatever it was. And um, I, I hated handhelds, waste packs, I always have. Uh, my background's adventure racing. I've done enormous amounts of adventure racing, over 100 adventure races. And, you know, through that, you become a, a tinkerer. Uh, you, right. you, you'll buy a pack, and the very first thing you'll do is cut things on it, which I don't always encourage. You should at least right. run with it a few or times. Or when but, you're buying packs and stuff, one of your requirements that you look at is how much can I hack on this? Exactly. It totally is. Like, I'm like, okay, why in the world do they have eight feet of shock cord on this stupid thing? You know, and, and, but I'm glad they have it because I'm going to cut it off this piece. I'm going to put it over here. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, there's, there's a lot of those things that, that we always did in adventure racing to make things more stable, more breathable, more comfortable, uh, for the various sports that we were doing. So, um, and I grew up a country boy and a country boy in Kansas, you know, you just, you figure out how to make things work because, mm-hmm. you know, 30 miles from town and, uh, you know, something goes wrong, you just have to figure it out. So, um, when I was training for that last Ironman, I'd had this idea in my head for so long from staring at my teammates backs while running in adventure racing and riding, of course, um, where I, I kind of noticed movement and where it came from on your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always thought if I had a simple solution that mounted up really high in your back, you wouldn't have the heat. You wouldn't have movement because your body just doesn't move much there, um, and it, it'd be really stable. So, and I had some kind of key things. I wanted to carry my electrolytes, a quick access, and that was important. Right. I wanted to carry uh, gels or backup nutrition, a quick access, and then I wanted to be able to run my own nutrition strategy. I'm very, very nerdy when it comes to running my own strategy. Me you know, too. I, I I'm agree not going to drink. You know, whatever it is on course, I don't care what it is on course. I don't even care if it's the the drink that I use. Like I yeah, because even if I it's love it. Even if it's what you use, they could mix it wrong. And they almost always mix it wrong. They always it's mix it wrong. Can. You see it's them almost dump always mix it wrong. <laughs> Gatorade into a cooler and then kind of stir it a little bit. You know all that sugar's at the bottom and it's just flavoring in the rest of the water, for example. Exactly. Yeah, and like it's it is. It's frustrating. It's yeah. amazing how many times I've been in a race and I drink something and because I'm like, Oh yeah, cool, you know, tailwind or whatever. This should be good. And then you drink it, you're like, What in the world did you do? And like, yeah. Oh yeah, we only had a small tub. I'm like, for five gallons? <laughs> I'm like, jeez. So um, so yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm really nerdy. I really don't ever count on a race to provide my nutrition and, and I, I don't think people should, I think people should look at it as a backup, um, personally, but, mm-hmm. uh, but that's why I wanted to make this pack is so I could run my own strategy, training, racing, and I don't have to carry it in my hands cause I don't want to lift weights when I'm, when I'm running. That's not right. the intent. Uh, so I don't like handhelds for that reason. And, uh, in waste packs, they squeeze your waist, they cause GI distress, they, they're heat, they bounce. Your, your hips kind of move in a cylindrical fashion. So, mm-hmm. so I, um, so yeah, that's where I, I, um, kind of late one night I went in the garage and I destroyed a fanny pack, a gun holster, a, uh, tie down strap. And I kind of sewed this crude concoction together of a little, but diverse hide quiver essentially. And I went out for a little quarter mile run. And I came back and told my wife, Hey, we're going to start a business. It's probably going to cost $50,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, worst case, we'll have two backpacks worth $25,000 each perfectly designed for us. In best case, we can actually sell these if we can make it look like it's worth more than a you know a dollar, which is what it looked like at the time. <laughs> yes. And um, it looks sometimes then, it looks cheaper than the amount oh, yeah. of you've spent on putting it together. <laughs> oh yeah, because it straight up took That's fifty grand to get that first product to market. It was fifty four thousand yeah. dollars it cost us that first year. Yeah. And um, uh, and yeah, I mean, my God, when you really look at like, I don't think a lot of people appreciate the amount of money that goes into mm-hmm. prototyping legal patents business all, all the business junk there's just a lot right. to make a product and then 
build it, inventory it, make colors that makes everybody happy. That's crazy. Um, in all the little variables, but, but yeah, so we, we launched our first product, a product called the hide to quiver. It works just as well for guys as well as girls. Uh, my five-year-old daughter can use it. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that's six, five and 300 pounds can use it. You know, it's, it's, what's really cool about our single and double barrel based packs is they literally will fit everyone. Right. And that's really unique. Um, and then from there, we expanded into bladder-based packs and soft glass packs and kind of different sports, different types, different just different desires. Some people don't want to drink from a water bottle. Some people want to drink from a hose. Some people don't want to drink from a hose. They want to drink from a bottle. Mm-hmm. Some people want to drink from flask. You know, it's it's really bizarre, all the different um, requirements or, or requests that we get from people. But, um, but yeah, and then in the back pocket of the Hydro Quiver, you have room for your phone, your wallet, your keys, uh, cash for the beer garden afterwards in a race. And, and I think all those things are important too. So, um, so yeah, every one of our packs kind of is designed around carrying your essentials uh, uh, for whatever type of race it is you're trying to tackle. So one thing I've, I do, you're right about, I, I've had a lot of success with the waste pack, but you are hundred percent correct. If you wear it too tightly, it backs up stuff in your stomach. Yep. And, um, you, the difference between too tightly and, uh, not, not tight enough is like a centimeter. And oh, then so tight. Yeah. it changes how much weight you're carrying on your waist. Like as you drink your water bottles, they can, um, you know, you have to adjust how tight you're holding it. Uh, yeah. And, and your body changes so much too. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I just did a level hundred mountain bike on Saturday and I've been doing this ketogenic diet now for about roughly two months, mm-hmm. I think seven or eight weeks. And, um, and so I haven't been getting hardly, hardly any calories, but then all of a sudden I was consuming tons of calories and carbohydrates, or I, I should say, I really haven't been getting very many carbs. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm drinking my normal nutrition mix and, and man, my belly, I could see it literally growing. I'm yeah. like, Holy crap, this is weird. <laughs> but I, I think it's because, you know, my body has been going maybe not full keto cause we have been just kind of, you know, not hundred percent perfect with it, but, yeah. but it, it definitely responded to all the different, you know, all, just all the carbohydrates I was pumping into it. And in that, that just changes the game. It changes the fit, changes the fit of my bibs, my jerseys, my vest, because yeah. it was cold in the beginning. Then it was wicked hot. And, you know, all these things, everybody has the same variability. You know, it, there's, there's always something that changes in your body. And, and it may not just be just your pack, you know, whether the bottle works great in the waste pack when it's full, but not midway or not empty, you know, or vice versa. You know, there's always kind of these, these sweet spots. And by shifting the pack up to your high shoulders, you eliminate all that hassle. And you don't have to worry about it. So it makes it kind of nice. And then something else that you're able to do with, with yours is uh, something that I always harp on with cycling, at least, is using clear water bottles so you can see how much you've drank and how much you got left. And yeah. when you're, um, if you want to do that, uh, if that's important to you, if you're using a bladder, you really can't see how much you've um, consumed and how much you've got left and with uh, water bottles you actually can yeah and that's it's actually a really good point it's where um you know people ask me a lot like well, why would i buy your bottle base pack versus your bladder pack or vice mm-hmm. versa and and it's it's usually one of the things i tell people you know you you need to be pretty scientific with your nutrition plan when you're using a bladder or even a flask mm-hmm. because you know the the difference is that it's usually blind you don't mm-hmm. know where it's at you have no idea you know i've, I've hit aid stations before and I've seen people to hit aid stations, you know, five hours into a race and they drank 10 ounces of water and they think they, they think they've drank 70 mm-hmm. and it's like you, your bladder's full. And, you know, at least like for me, what I've done 
I've, I've literally calculated it. I take three like decent drinks uh, every 15 minutes, and that yeah. equates to 20 to 22 ounces per hour. That's what it works for me. It's the way like my suck rate on a bike yeah. valve, if you call it that, uh, the flow rate uh, with the way that I do it is is pretty scientific. And I can be I can be pretty accurate, but I screw up a ton of times too. You know, when you're especially like in a mountain bike race this weekend, you know, you, you get a little bit off or you drink. You, you take two hard drinks and you think that's right, but then you get in, you're like, oh yeah, I still got more left. But the nice part of a bottle is every 15 minutes, a quarter of that bottle should be gone. Right. And it's it's that simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. It's easy to catch up. Uh, you know, it's just easy to manage. So yeah, that that's truly is a really strong benefit of using a bottle-based hydration strategy, especially in a race. Uh, I've done really hot races, uh, like half Ironman, Soma half Ironman years ago. It was like 98 degrees or something stupid. And uh, <laughs> You know, I was able to say three cups ice, one cup water. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. And and I put my mix in. And and that way I could run an ice cold fluid throughout the entire run. You can't do that with these itty bitty little weight little waste packs with itty bitty right. little bottles. So you can't fit ice in unless you want to sit there and like melt each one and you know stick them in yeah. there. Uh, which no one does. So and again, I could run my exact strategy. So so yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of the bottle based packs. I think they're fantastic for managing nutrition, especially if you're one that isn't maybe as, um, you know, scientific in your approach and how you, you know, do some of these races. Yeah. The, uh, one thing I coach people on is if they're doing a hot race is a ice bottle on say an Ironman because mm-hmm. the run is usually by mid afternoon, early afternoon, to mid afternoon. Um, uh, and it's usually hot. And when you go through the aid stations, fill up a bottle with ice but to mm-hmm. do that, you have to have a wide neck bottle. Definitely. And then what, what you do is every once in a while, you dribble the bottle over your head with ice water. And exactly. it makes a massive difference. But it would be nice to be able to store it somewhere so you can run without it messing up your running form. Oh, so, exactly. Yeah. And it works just as good. So, I mean, our, our packs, they don't work as well cycling. Uh, not our bottle-based packs. Our bladder-based packs are great for it. But but. Um, but, you know, for, for me, um, like I did a, a race this year in Kansas called the uh, Maisie's 100. It's a gravel bike race, 108-mile gravel bike race. It was absolutely torturous. Yeah. And um, uh, it was insanely hot, insanely humid. It rained like an hour before the race, like a half an inch, which made it just suffer fest. Now, this isn't and, the Dirty uh, Kansas, right? This is a different race. Yeah, I did Dirty Kansas. That was three weeks or two weeks later after Maisie's. Yeah. Um, and that was also hot, and I implemented the same strategy. Okay. But uh, – but yeah, I tell you, and what I what I did in those races, and it saved my bacon, is that I took an insulated water bottle filled with ice, clear to the top, a little bit of water, and that's exactly what I did. I just sprinkled a little bit down my neck, my back of my neck, every, I don't know, whenever I started really feeling the peak hot happen. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what it does. It's not just you make you feel better. It's your power goes up mm-hmm. exponentially. I mean, it's a lot. Like on the bike, it's probably 20, 30, 50 watts. I mean, it's... It's, it's a difference of when you're overheated, you shut down, or at least for yeah. me, I shut down. But man, just that little bit of sprinkle of ice cold water, it like, it snaps you completely back into mm-hmm. a, a good state. It's, it's bizarre what that does. I've, I've done a couple of races, um, where on the run, uh, pouring ice water, just dribbling it on a, wearing a visor. That way I could get it right into my, you know, into my scalp. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually gotten even though it's nearly a hundred degrees, I actually feel cold because of yeah. the, uh, cause it's ice water, you know, on your head and then seeing people around me, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, you know, uh, noticeably, you know, 
ex- suffering extremely badly in the heat and yep. there I'm running. And what's really funny is I always get heads turning around as I, at, by the, towards the end, you start passing people because they're, they're fading because of the heat exhaustion. And as I jog by, <laughs> um, my water bottle, you can hear the ice in it. The, yeah. It's going ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. And then everybody looks at me and, and every once in a while I'll get somebody that'll say, man, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> yep. Well, it's actually, it's really simple. It's totally available. You can do this. Um, exactly. Yeah. So tell me about how you started the business. Uh, I find this really fascinating. Um, and didn't you, you had a career and you, you left it to come to start doing this or, or how'd that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I came up with the, the idea of our pack when my boy was three months old and, um, which was a terrible decision to start a business. Um, you know, like it's just like, you're already like kids are so expensive. It's unbelievable. Um, so that was kind of frightening in itself, but, but, but it, it was, it was because I wanted the pack first and foremost, but second was that I really looked at both of our jobs. My wife was a corporate attorney and I was a corporate exec and, um, both of us had jobs that were extremely demanding. And I was like, okay, well, you know, one of us can't work at least not full time. This mm-hmm. is like, it was just unbelievable. And we knew we were going to have another kid. And, you know, with our jobs, it just, you know, it just didn't work. You can't just work, you know, a 40 hour week just wasn't possible, uh, let alone a 20 or 30 hour week. So, um, it was kind of that, that thought is that it, this was going to be probably more of a hobby in the beginning, to be honest. I didn't think that, like I'd had this one idea in my head for a long time, but I just had the one idea. I didn't honestly think I'd be coming up with a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so we made the first product and it took about 10 months to get it to market. And this was January, 2012. When we started, we launched it October, 2012. And, um, uh, so the whole thought was, you know, get maybe five, 10 products on the market it was hope and a wish. And, and I thought, well, you can run it and, you know, still be mom and, and still have, you know, full engagement with, you know, day job and stuff with this, with orange mud too. And, and I'll get to play and this is going to be fun. Um, you know, and, and again, I of course hoped I could quit my job, but I just didn't, yeah. you know, we lived in California at the time. It's expensive as heck out there. And I was like, you know, that's probably just not going to happen. Um, but as our business started growing, I'm like, okay, you know, I think if we got, I think if we get 10 products on the market, I think I can quit my job and, um, and not like we'd be rich, but, uh, I was like, mm-hmm. but, but we can maybe at least live maybe. Um, so I ended up quitting my job, um, three years in. And when we had 14 products on the market is when I finally quit 14 core products. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that year we barely made any money at all. I actually told told her that day we went to the top of the food chain to the bottom in one day, uh, when I quit my job, but, uh, um, but it was the best decision I've, I've ever made. I mean, we, we, um, it, it was scared. It was, we were both scared to death. You know, finally that day when I came home, like, okay, sweetie, well, we're both full-time orange mud. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> thing. We, uh, don't even make enough money to pay our bills. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's been something that, that, um, I knew if I could dedicate my time fully to it. Mm-hmm. And as, as my daughter and boy both got a little older and, and we knew that, uh, Beth, my wife could also dedicate her full time to it. We knew we could grow the business and, and uh, at least we hoped we could really grow the business in a smarter way. We could grow smarter, faster, uh, and quicker. And, and we did, and it, it's fortunately worked out, but it, it was, uh, not without an enormous amount of, um, anxiety and, and worry about, you know, is this actually gonna, can we actually do this? Um, so there was, there were definitely some, 
some points that you know it was just frightening but uh um but it's it's yeah it's really taken off i mean it's been amazing you know we've been in business six years of selling products come october 27th this year and um we have I don't, like i don't know three four hundred SKUs now oh, wow. um of, of products and well SKUs include like different is it different sizes? sizing yeah, colors okay. and all that in apparel but but mm-hmm. I, we do we do a lot in all the different categories and you know hydration is our big baby the transition wrap is a huge component of our wholesale and uh, international distribution mm-hmm. uh but our hydration packs huge internationally as well as domestic and, um, and then everything else in between is just, it's all the kind of filler stuff too. So, uh, we've, we've really worked to build out a business design that is making the best gear to make you enjoy your run or bike triathlon, whatever it is. Um, and you know, supports you doing it. And, and that's kind of been the whole focal point. Yeah. When people, I've heard a lot of advice on people quitting their job to pursue their passion and the best that I've ever heard is kind of this middle ground and like, so you had your ideas first and see, that's the wrong time to quit your job before you actually made it work. Oh yeah. (laughs) But then, and, um, so what they say is like what you did is you get, you get it off the ground and you get it started and then you start seeing a clear path and a little bit of success and then you can start thinking about it. Um, people that give up everything for their, for their, um, their life goal, you know, whatever they want to do. Well, they don't have any resources because it's going to get, it's going to get tough and they're going to need some, some cash and a place to live for a while while they're working on this. And yeah. Um, another one that's similar though, is people talk about going pro in triathlon and some really good advice I've heard is, which is a different scenario, but they, if if you want to be great at triathlon, then, and, and go pro, you need to go all in, you know? So, but yeah. at that point you've already got the background. You're already qualified as a pro and you're, you've proven that you're, you're pretty good. And sure. And then you actually say, okay, I'm going to quit my day job and then train full time. And, but then I got a question for you about your products. Um, has there been anything where, cause this is hard to do. Is there anything where you've had to kill a product? and say, this one's not, and does that hurt? <laughs> like, I really yeah. wanted this one to succeed and it, no one's buying it. So now I got to, maybe people don't want it as bad as I thought they would. Yeah. I mean, we, we fortunately haven't had to kill anything. Um, we had, we have this one pack called the sup sip. It's, um, I designed it. Um, I was out Santa paddleboarding in, in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I saw this girl getting blown to sea and I couldn't believe no one on, on shore saw this. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, the girl and I were the only two people on the entire ocean at that time. Um, the winds were just insane. I'm down on my knees paddling as hard as I could trying to get to shore. It took me like an hour, hour and a half to get there. Yeah. Uh, once I'd seen her and, and, uh, and I, and I told the lifeguards, I'm like, dude, there's literally a girl getting blown to sea out there. And it made me think I need a place for my room key, a bottle, um, and you know, so maybe nutrition. And so I made this cool leg mounted hydration pack for stand up paddle. I just, I still think it's one of the coolest things out there and yeah. we still sell it, but we, we just saw like, it just isn't, it just doesn't something that it's not something that gets good traction. And, and as a result of it being so different than the rest of our product portfolio, I don't want to like email out and tell all of our, you know, tens of thousands of email subscribers like, Hey, buy our subset because no one gives a crap because it's not our audience. So yeah. There has been things like that or, 
you know, there's people like you should make this or make that. And it's like, well, it's not really our audience. And that's the one thing you learn is that once you've developed an audience, you just need to be mindful and treat them with respect and not hitting them with crap that isn't relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably been the hard part. And then like another one, my ambassadors the other day, I posted a picture of a, of a design of a theory and that I was working on with a color scheme on a pack. And mm-hmm. I thought it was genius. I really thought it was amazing. And, and they were all like, I mean, it was very like maybe, maybe a quarter of a percent Mm-hmm. supported me the rest of them are like dude sorry josh well normally i like your stuff but that's just dumb i'm like okay. <laughs> that's just dumb <laughs> it kind of hurt my feelings <laughs> but but i'm glad they were honest with yeah. me i mean i really i really appreciate it i got like I don't know, probably 200 comments of don't like it at all it's terrible yeah. so so yeah there's there's four we've been lucky that that you know certain packs um you know maybe like a new one will come out and it'll cannibalize some of the sales of the existing but there's still what we found is that as our pack portfolio has grown what it's done is it's shown us the demographic that buys a certain pack. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a large, really large chested lady, maybe a, a middleweight lady, mm-hmm. we see like a lot of a lot of them love her double barrel because mm-hmm. there's no chest strap right. and it's really comfortable for them. Um, you know, if you're a super petite female or a super small runner guy, um, you might really like the single barrel or maybe the gear vest or the PFE. If you're really fast, you might like the PFE. So it's been really neat to to see sometimes where, you know, before we kind of thought like, okay, this product fits this box. Um, but as the products grew, we see, okay, this box now is very specific in this demographic and this is what makes them the most happy. And it helps us because then we can tell people like, okay, look for your build, I wouldn't suggest this pack, mm-hmm. even though there's plenty of people like you that like it. Most people prefer this one. And so it's, it's been really probably, I think probably the if anything, it's it's kind of helped to shift things um, more so than it has like uh, maybe squashed a product so far. So how do you do? Well, I agree with you on the on the. I'm a I'm a very creative person, and the office I work at, there's only like one other person out of thirty that's creative. The job just doesn't require it. <laughs> and yeah, so, and um, the uh, so there just happens to be like one other person that's really creative. And I'll get up in front of the group and say, oh, we could just totally do this and this. And like that one other person's nodding his head, right? Yeah. He gets it. Everybody else just stares at me with this blank stare. <laughs> like they're like, yeah. I don't understand. And I'm like, no, if, if you got to see to the future, like this could totally work. And they're like, no, I don't get it. And you can't sell it to them no, no matter what. Yep. Um, I got no a question feeling. on uh, product testing. So how mm-hmm. do you... How do you actually, let's say you um, come up with a new design and you're going to test it out. Uh, do you wear it or do you put it on? You got testers that that uh, try it out or how do you do all that? Yeah, so we, we've taken a lot of a very different approach in this uh-huh. compared to some brands. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I personally test the crap out of everything. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, I never release a product unless I feel it is dialed in and is going to work really well personally. Um I'm always the first tester. I'm the guy that literally sews it and makes it also. I've learned to sew very well now. That's and, your tradition. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's it's actually funny. My wife's like, hey, Lexi's shoes, the Velcro is worn out. Please fix them. I'm like, okay, I'll put them on the sewing machine. Um, but it's uh, it's it's been fun learning how to sew um, with industrial-grade equipment because I can, I can literally make anything I want now. And so I build it based upon – um, feedback, of course. So it's so like we have, it's been one of the key aspects of the ambassador team, but, but again, from customer feedback and social media activ- activation is that we get tons of feedback. And I hear from, you know, 
these different uh, outliers in the scale of, of fit, you know, with how things work for them. And then I, of course, listen to everybody in the middle. And we, we keep a big design note folder. I keep a big design note folder. Oh, I like so, that. Yeah. Um, so as, you know, anytime I'm designing a new pack, I take all the, the feedback that I've had over time and then I implement that into whatever it is. So most of our packs are universal sizing and they actually work because we do some unique things that are very different than the rest of the market. And, you know, a lot of our competition will have five or six different sizes. That's not only terrible for a retail store, that's terrible for a consumer because a consumer is going to have a hell of a time trying to make that thing fit right. Yeah. And then in the end, all they're really doing in many cases, not all, but in many cases, all they're really doing is making the straps a little bit shorter. And my, my pitch to everybody is I make that strap long on the side, cut it once you figure it out in the sweet spot for you, because I want to make it as universal as possible to where maybe you're a four foot 11 and 90, 90 pound female and your husband's six foot five and two sixty. You both can wear the same pack. You know, maybe it won't always work, but in many cases it will. So, so yeah, so everything I do, I try to make it universal and fit. It's always the first and foremost goal. Uh, I personally test the crap out of it. And then I have some key people that I use. Uh, they're good friends of mine that, that test the, uh, help me test gear and give me, you know, honest feedback and say, this sucks. This is great, whatever, you know, where I, I really believe they're not going to just tell me, I'm great because I designed it. You know, I, they, they will literally tell me, sorry, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, which I've I got appreciate. friends like that too. <laughs> yeah. And those are really important friends to have. You don't always want them around. But I just asked a friend that this morning. I asked him if I was in a meeting with him a few days ago and I said, did I sound like an idiot or just like I didn't, like I wanted to learn more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always he a said balancing a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always a balancing act. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then from there, like we've, we've always kind of called it a soft launch. Uh -huh. uh, with what we do with launching a product. So, you know, a lot of brands, it's, it's funny. People are like, Oh, so what's your spring 19 catalog looking like? I'm like, I don't know yet. I haven't got there. It's mm -hmm. not spring yet. Um, because I, I basically, I'm always working on new designs. We have a ton of new things always in the works and I launch it when it ships from my factory and re arrives. <laughs> That's what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, well, what's launching in spring? I'm like, I don't know, but this is launching January 12th. Oh, why the 12th of January? Because that's when it got here. <laughs> like, that's how we do things. So I think it's been a lot more fun that way. And then we, what we do is that, you know, as these new products finish up, uh, we launch them, you know, we, we push them out to our audience. We say, give us mm -hmm. feedback, run with them, test them. You know, our ambassadors, our customers, it just, we're getting real world feedback because everybody is different. Everybody's, you know, everybody has a different opinion on, on how something's going to work for them. Everybody gets hung up on, you know, or different things, you know, maybe certain people are like, why is this hose too long? Why is this hose too short? Why mm -hmm. is this hose, you know, one inch too long? I mean, it's, I get the weirdest things. Yeah. And, you know, so what, what I want is I want real world feedback. Unfortunately, your, your, your test data is, is nearly impossible to have 10 people run with something and know exactly like that's going to work for 20,000 people. It just doesn't work. It's, yeah. I'm always surprised by the, by the outliers of what, you know, there's always some piece of feedback. I'm like, huh, yeah, I guess that doesn't work for you. You know, there's, there's always some little weird thing. Maybe like person A has uh, too long, of, maybe a longer neck than most people. And as a result, this one pack fits weird for them. And, you know, I, mean, I get the weirdest thing. Broken yeah. collarbone. Well, you just named something that I have. Ones. I actually have a long neck. I'm yes. telling you, long neck yeah. people, you guys, that's why I have the bottle long adjustment skinny on the neck. back I of went, the pack. I went to get fitted for a tuxedo for a wedding one time. You had to rent a tuxedo. Yeah, and um, I'm, I was a swimmer, and I was I did military school in the core uh, ROTC, so I did a ton of push-ups, right? So I've got a skinny mm -hmm. neck and um, just a big chest from doing push-ups all the time. 
Yeah. And they said, we called in my, I got measured at one store and then we called in my dimensions to another store because I was going to have to rent it out of town. And they said, there's no way, these dimensions are wrong. There's no way that somebody has such a large chest and such a skinny neck. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's me. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, guys like you, big traps, you know, because a lot of times you say wide chest, it's really big traps. Big traps can be weird with fit. It's Mm -hmm. why going from my endurance pack version Mm 1.0 to 2.0, it's the reason why I made it an inch and a half longer in the front is largely because of you outliers that, you know, the big, like the gym rats, you know, the ones that do 500 pushups a day have really big traps. The angulation of your traps uh-huh. makes the pockets fit different and the straps on the side fit differently. Yeah. So we made that longer, largely for you guys. But ironically, we made it longer and changed the hardware a little bit up front because it also fit better for some of our four foot 11, 90 pound runner females. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird how something that can be for someone completely different can be a benefit for somebody completely different. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, the feedback is is it's essential it's mind-numbing uh to to keep up with but you know at this point i've you know i i uh i ask everybody for review um you know i have a personal note that goes out to every single person that buys product from our website asking for feedback and we get a lot of feedback um and and as a result you know i there is there's definitely like now when we go to market on something i i do know I just know better than most on what's going to work versus not because I am the guy that responds to every question. My, my wife or my, my sister, between the three of us, we're always the ones responding, but, but it's, it's mostly me when it comes to any feedback, any questions and on fit or whatever, you know, it's, I'm the one that's, that's, I, I personally, I love it. I love to communicate with our, our audience and yeah. because it, it does, it helps me too. You know, it's a double win. So, um, so it's, uh, it's been a lot easier now to yeah. get those designs right. We're in the beginning. It was very confusing. You know, it's just, it's the human body is, there's just so much variability between all the different shapes of sizes mm-hmm. of men and women out there. I've, I just noticed something looking on your website at the, um, the arm coolers or mm-hmm. arm warmers, because they can work either way. Um, you've got a really cool piece of branding on them mm-hmm. that actually is all over your website too, but it just gave me an idea. Here's the creative mind going. Here's some feedback mm-hmm. for you. This would sure. be really you know, up to you to implement on how, <laughs> sure. uh, but that's a diff- that's why you're running the business. The, um, okay. So on the white and also the grayish black, uh, arm warmers or coolers, mm-hmm. you've got something really interesting. You've got this, you got the graphic of orange mud splattered across the sleeves. Yep. That is so unique. And that's like branding for you because it's on the, on your pictures all over the website of the product. You also do the same thing, like in the corners of the pictures. Mm -hmm. And if you, what's interesting is if you, okay. So somebody sees that orange splatter on the sleeves and they, from across the room and that's where you're trying to get somebody, they go, Hey, you've got something on your sleeve. And then they come over and then they touch the fabric and they go, and then you say, no, it's made like that. Right. And so mm-hmm. you've, you've hooked their interest. They're like, oh, that's cool. And then that kind of makes them want to have the same thing. And true. The, cause yeah, marketing, right? Everybody, people should know in marketing, you got to get people's attention. And that's just really, and you got to do it almost kind of like subconsciously, right? Like you mm-hmm. can't just yell, look at me, look at me. <laughs> and exactly. like if you can hook somebody in 
kind of by they feel like it's like it like they hook themselves in, then they've got investment in it. They're interested instead of you pulling them in. And so I was thinking, like, what a that is such a cool look on that sleeve. And then like on your backpacks, if you could put that same like orange spray of dots like on on the backpack like on like a quarter of a panel or something like that right like that's that's your that's in one way that's your logo like that's it's orange mud on it and everybody would recognize it it'd be pretty cool yeah for sure yeah and that's where we've we've struggled a little bit on on because we, and we do get feedback from yeah. customers quite often as far as saying hey why don't you have a bigger logo on your packs yeah and 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 I I've kind of followed the the BMW Mercedes yeah, Toyota not the, not the Dodge Ram and giant letters all across yeah there. yeah <laughs> so I've kind of followed that conservative approach to where yeah. you know I like my whole my whole design intent with packs from the very beginning has been that I want you to focus on the run or mm-hmm. I want you to focus on the ride I don't want you to think about your gear I don't want you to have to adjust your gear mm-hmm. um, so that's been the whole focal point and and. In, in our designs, it mm. should be stable. It should be a piece of your body, not yeah. uh, some separate turtle shell. It's a pain in the butt. Right. Um, so, you know, with the branding, I've struggled a little bit. And so there's two sides of that. There's mm-hmm. one, like, I totally agree with your idea. It'd be awesome. Cause the paint, I think is like the paint splash is so subtle that it's, it's, it goes with it and it's still yeah. subtle. Cause it's not like a name it, on there. People come over um, to like scrape it off for you and it doesn't yeah. come off and then they go, Oh, this is part of the, this is part of the material. This is so cool. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but so there's so there's two aspects. So there's the one of trying to keep this more conservative, you know, clean, consistent look that has that lifestyle, everyday look that is that is uh, not a trend. It's a it's a it's kind of a, a, a you yeah. know it's a professional life you know piece that's gonna last a long time. Mm-hmm. But there's the other part of me that comes from the manufacturing background where the design for manufacturability prospect is total pain in the ass when you do that <laughs> because right. it's like, okay, how are we going to get that plate splatter just right and to be consistent from product to product to product mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and maintain that uniformity and in, in design and look. And, um, and that, that's the other side too, where there's, there's so many things that are so cool to do, but it's not always the easiest. And then like in the beginning, we used to put, uh, our logo used to be reflective on the back. Oh, okay. And and I thought it was so cool, but the fabrics I use have a waterproof treatment on it. Uh-huh. They're still extremely breathable, but they have a waterproof treatment. Uh-huh. And um, that those two things, waterproof treated fabric and a basically heat adhesible um, reflective, it, those two things don't like each other. Yeah. So like we'd have our logo peeling off in the beginning, then all of a sudden I have a completely unbranded pack. So <laughs> you know, there's there's things like that that, yeah. that are are also challenging. Hence why we've always we've really averted and stuck with the uh, woven patch sewn on. And yeah, you know, and as as we grow, you know, there's all these things I keep learning too. And I have an amazing factory. I've got a 70 person uh, R and D team to help me out when I'm oh, designing wow. new things, yeah. um, that I can say, Hey, I want to do this. I don't really know where to get it or how to source it or what to do. And they're like, don't worry, we'll take care of it. And so I can do things now that I didn't used to have at my, my disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we have grown, our scale is bigger. So it's easier to say like, okay, cool. I'm going to let's, let's buy 2000 of those to start it out and let's try yeah. it. You know, before it was like, let's buy a hundred of these packs. Um, and oh yeah, uh, we are definitely not going to do anything special mm-hmm. for coatings or, you know, coloring or anything like that for you. So, so there, there have been things that have helped us have gotten bigger, but again, it's kind of like, all right, what, where, what area are we going? Are we going conservative? Are we going to try a little trendy something here or what? And, 
it's uh it's a never ending it's a moving target all the time yeah to keep up with so like what you're talking about that that opposite end of the spectrum that really slick professional look if people want to go check this one out i'm on the page right now uh the adventure pack 20 liter yeah so this it's this um this is the mercedes <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's black with just a hint of like orange piping on it and that's branding too right your color is yeah. orange and that thing looks pro. Like I see somebody show up with that thing, I think they know what they're doing. Well, and what's funny is that started as a mistake. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I first launched the Hyde Quiver, um, we launched it in all black, a uh -huh. gray, a brown, and uh, initially it was just all black thread. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I told, I asked my factory, I'm like, hey man, can you guys use some orange thread? And they used the orange thread. It was a brownish orange thread, so it was really subtle. Yeah. And um, and I got it. I'm like, oh, cool. All right, cool. Let's go to build. And then so we launched and all the products came in and they had this vibrant neon orange thread. I'm like, what did you do? Like, what are you <laughs> thinking? I'm like, holy crap, I'm never going to sell these. No one's going to buy these. Yeah. And we, we launched it at the Soma Half Ironman. And, uh, and everybody, no one wanted the all black pack. Everybody wanted the black pack with orange stitch. I'm like, I love oh, it. shit. It's cool looking. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So it started as a mistake. All yeah. of our orange accent thread, which is across our entire product portfolio. Yeah. Uh, or we use accent green thread. We use accent pink thread. It's become a, a staple of what we do because uh, everything we do is extreme quality. And, yeah. and you can't do that in some sloppy factory. You have to have high-end factory. People don't appreciate how much – how awesome your sewers have to be to have an accent thread because it shows every imperfection. Every oh, imperfection. Oh, yeah, it would, wouldn't it? So, yeah. You know, I, I would challenge anybody, buy one of our packs and then compare it to any pack you have. And you will see our sewing, aside from our, our thread, is is military grade, which no one else you're probably going to even find uh, has that. Our, our sewing is just superior. And it's my, my team is amazing that makes these for us. And uh, But yeah, it truly all started as a mistake. And then, if anything, it's been something my factories have given me crap about over the years. Like, dude, you realize how much of a pain in the butt this is? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, but it's what we do. <laughs> I like it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's been a nice say. way to put a, to put a little spin. You know, I, I look at it as, you know, like when I was in the medical device business, mm -hmm. you know, I'd wear a suit, but I'd still wear a pair of, you know, brown leather Cole Hans as opposed to black, just mm -hmm. because I felt like it was a little more athletic and it was a little more fun. Yeah. And then my buddies would give me crap. Like, you're not supposed to wear brown shoes yeah. with a black suit. I'm yeah. like, I am. And I'm wearing a brown leather Yet belt. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, and it, it, it's 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 something that yeah. you know, like I'd wear you know, my fancy watches, but I'd also wear you know whatever my latest garment or whatever it was every once in a while too. And and I think that's where the you know the more conservative you know all black nylon with a little bit of accent thread it kind of touches that same boat where there's plenty of people that they don't want a bright orange pack, a bright pink, a bright green. They don't want some mm -hmm. crazy bright color. You know, time and time again, of all the colors we run. The black with the subtle orange is always the number one most popular pack, mm -hmm. always, without exception. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what market you're in. People will tell me, oh, I'm from, you know, wherever, Oklahoma. So people aren't going to buy orange here. They're going to buy red, you know, mm -hmm. or I'm from whatever state it is. You know, then I'm like, okay, well, that's just not accurate. Just so you know, I mean, this is what people are buying in your market. So it's, uh, it's, it's funny how there's certain colorways we'll always have because that's always the most consistent. Yeah, this, there's a question with cycling. What colors? The bike snob or no? What, well, he started off on his on his own stuff after a while, but the um, what's the proper color for a bicycle? And he said 
plenty uh black red and white and that's it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> everything yeah. else is amateur <laughs> yeah i tell you what yeah. though i i I'm all titanium anymore. Mm-hmm. I've recently switched to tie and oh, I, I love, love I've got it. a titanium so I, bike. I love it. Oh, I'm in love. Yeah. I'm in absolute love with my yeah. titanium bike, uh, bikes now. Yeah. <laughs> I had an option uh, when I was getting a titanium bike, I had the option of, I had a choice, get a road bike or a tri bike. Yeah. I should have got, I got a road bike, which is great, but man, I should have gotten a tri bike and titanium and just, um, you just don't get quite the aerodynamics of uh, carbon fiber, but the right. ride quality is so great. It's, oh, it's amazing. Yes. And now they're finding out more and more. It's the ride quality is everything, especially is. if you're going a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am an absolute love. I bought a Linsky Ridgeline mm-hmm. uh, 29er at Hardtail, and I just used it in Leadville this year. It was better than my $10,000 specialized carbon fiber Epic I used last year that had, yeah. you know, just various issues. And this thing, it's a Hardtail. It was just as compliant. Yeah. I, I'm so amazed. I literally bought the exact same bike in a single speed version. And now I'm going to sell my other carbon fiber uh, gravel bike and I'm going to get it a tie, probably Linsky also. So yeah. it's, uh, I am just, I can't believe after racing mountain bikes and road bikes for so long that I have never had a titanium bike until this year. And now yeah. I'm like, why did I ever not buy one? It's yeah. just, that's crazy. I don't ride but, mine enough because, you know, I'm always on a tri bike. And every time yeah. I get on it, it's just, it's incredible. It's so good. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. So I've heard you on some podcasts and, mm-hmm. um, you're a fantastic guest and, and, uh, now a host, right? So you've got your own show. So tell me a little yeah. bit about it. Yeah. So I started the, uh, Orange Mud Adventure Channel podcast, mm-hmm. um, last year, about a year, a little over a year ago. And, uh, we've recorded 44 episodes now. And nice. so one of my big beefs with, um, running and biking is that the two sports often don't like each other. So I wanted to bridge the gap between run and bike. That was really my hidden agenda of everything I've been doing. We call it, you know, the adventure channels is all about adventure and endurance and how to become a better athlete. But the really the hidden goal is I wanted to get people into doing both. I want, I believe more runners. I know so many runners that are injured all the time. All my ultra running friends, it's like they're constantly injured. My, my foot, my foot's broken right now. I'm unhappy about it. So I'm running Leadville 100 this weekend, and I jacked up my metatarsal running down Pikes Peak uh, three weeks ago, and I'm I'm just freaking livid. But it's <laughs> at least for me, I was following my mantra. I've yeah. been mostly biking, running less, and and I still end up injured. But all my friends that run all the time, they're always injured: plantar fasciitis, sciatica, you yeah. name it. There's always something. It's like ride your freaking bike. So that's why we really started. I wanted to bridge the gap between run and divide. I want to show everybody we're on that. We're all out there for the same reason. And I want to show people that there's a lot that we learn in endurance cycling that crosses over into endurance running. There's a lot you learn in endurance running that crosses over into endurance cycling. Um, and that just goes through a lot of other sports. And it's it's been so much fun because, you know, you get to chat with so many different people. Um, you know, I've had a lot of really amazing guests on that, like, you know, I, when I was doing the Leadman series in Leadville last year, I had the race directors of uh, Ken and Mary Lee on, and it was really neat to learn the history and the, about the course and what some things to do, what not to do, and 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 digging into ketogenic diets lately. I've been kind mm-hmm. of into that, so I've been bringing people on about that, and so it's uh it's been. I thought it was going to be uh, a lot of work, and it is. <laughs> but oh, it's so much uh, fun though. It is really yeah. an enormous amount of fun. There's so many calls I get off, and I'm like, wow, that was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but the downside to it is that you can interview people that can inspire you too much sometimes. And uh, <laughs> so like last year, yeah, we interviewed um, 
this guy, uh, Cyril, he's a psychopath. And I say this in, in the best of way. Uh-huh. Uh, he said the world, um, paddling record, paddling, uh, rowing mm-hmm. to, um, Hawaii from California in 42 days. And okay. it's like, the, it's a fascinating story, but my retail manager, Paul, he did a lot of these podcasts with me in the beginning. He was so fascinated by it. He quit his job. And like, he told me, he's like, yeah, next summer I'm going to quit. I'm going to travel. I'm going to go to all the national parks and live in my truck. I'm like, okay. And then run all the time. And he did. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the downside to some of these things is that you can get inspired too much. And all of a sudden, you know, you got your good people working for you heading out to, you know, go live their dreams. Uh, yeah. but that's obviously a, a good problem too, but, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's definitely been a lot more exciting than I ever thought it would have been. I interviewed a guy a while back that swam the English channel, all butterfly. Yeah. Oh and of course God. the next thing you know, I'm out there doing butterfly, doing all kinds of stupid stuff, doing butterfly on the verge of injuring myself because it's just so inspirational. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, wow. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah, great. It's- you meet the coolest people in the, um, uh, but with, with a podcast, you can get um, really amazing people on the air, like really successful at, in sports and business, and then um, pick their brains on on what you're doing. Uh, yeah. James Altucher, have you ever listened to his show? No, I have not. Okay, so he's huge um, in the podcasting world, and he'll tell you straight up that he created the show really to just to – the interviews aren't even real. They're just so that he can talk to celebrities. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, really, not just celebrities. They're celebrities because they're very successful. And yeah. so, um, you know, big money market managers, uh, uh, productivity specialists and stuff. So he can get in the same room with these people and pick their brain on how, uh, not really for his own advantage, but just because it's so fascinating, you know? Well, and, and I yeah. think, you know, the reality is everybody has a story to tell. And a lot of times there's a lot more to to like, like, like say for orange mud, even, you know, there's, there's a lot more to orange mud than just, we're, we're not just making products to sell you. Mm -hmm. That's just not what it is. You know, I want to give people the opportunity to explore and experience amazing things. And, and I, I think that, you know, it's, it's been an amazing journey to get there. And I, I think anybody can do the exact same thing, you know, and, and it's, and it's fun to share that story in the background. So people know that I'm not here to sell you products. That's just not, that's not what we're here for. It's not, it's, that's not a successful business. And, and, you know, I, I think if, if more people can understand the backstory of so many people, you'll understand that, oh yeah, maybe they're not just fast and amazing. Maybe they have some massive depression issues and they're more like you than you think, or maybe they have, you know, whatever, some whatever, terrible debilitating disease, but yet they're out there winning races or they're out there leading a company or they're doing something crazy. And, and that's often, I think where podcasts are kind of neat because you get this whole background that you never knew, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that person may have a harder time driving somewhere, flying somewhere, having a meeting and sitting down and, and giving that talk and even, you know, just carving out the time. But it's a lot easier to say, okay, cool. Let's schedule a podcast for an hour and 20 minutes and, and it's going to be good. Um, so I, I, I do think that has been the, the fascinating part about, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts too, and it's kind of the fascinating part is that you, you get a lot of insight into so much more than, than what you would ever imagine. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's, I, it's a, yeah, it's an eye opener. Well, I've recently discovered this whole um, facet, um, I don't know what you would call it, genre of podcasts, uh, some pretty big shows too, that are all about how to manage success, the way people have successfully managed their ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fascinating. 
And they'll get guests on there that are that when they were growing up were a complete wreck, you know. And then all the all the all the ways that they've um that that anybody could use actually. There's like really handy stuff. And yeah. Um. Also, I I think I remember uh, listening to you talk on a show where as a kid, didn't you um just like cruise around the countryside on trails and stuff like that? And, and yeah. in a way, like in the Kansas countryside over like lots of ground. And then in a way, aren't you, in my opinion is in a way, aren't you just creating equipment to help others do the same thing? Cause like you found it so fulfilling as a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the things that, you know, we did as a kid, like, I don't know, we wouldn't even take water. We just drink from a <laughs> Creek. I know. I mean, seriously, I look back at some of that, like we'd ride, I still remember riding to to this town of Alma. Uh, it was 20 yeah. miles away from my house on gravel roads, but mostly on like cow paths. Like yeah. uh, I knew all the pastures like the back of my hand. He was like go fishing and hunting all the time and goofing off. And, and uh, so, yeah, we literally like like my cousin and I rode on cow paths to town. And we only had to take the trails maybe last, I don't know, six miles and uh, on the gravel roads. And, uh, yeah, we just drink from creeks. We wouldn't even take food or anything. And, and I mean – it was 20 miles on the roads. Like God only knows what it actually took on cow pass, let alone right. our crappy little BMX bikes. Um, but yeah, so it's funny as you get older, you know, you're, you're, you're just trying to figure out how to make tools to allow you to do all the same stuff you did as a kid, but just uh-huh. do it more efficiently. And, and then, yeah, I'll fit everybody to where they can all do the same thing. And, you know, I, I believe everybody should be able to experience some amazing adventures and think that that, you know, we all get too way too wrapped up in, work and even even in our own business mm-hmm. you know i my wife and i you know argue from time to time about that where i'm like hey you know i'm going for a bike ride she's like oh yeah i wish i could right now i'm kind of busy i'm like you can i am too Go. i am too this is why we do this you know we own this business we yeah. have the ability to go out and go for a run at two o'clock uh-huh. because we can because we should because a lot of people should and you know a lot of companies aren't very flexible with that and i get it it's mm-hmm. challenging as a business owner i get that side too Um, but you know, I also will work late at night to catch up for that. And, you know, it's, uh, I I think if, if more people could just get outside and even go for a walk, um, for an hour, you know, half an hour a day, you would, you would just have amazing, forget the health benefits. It's the psychological benefits that you can work faster. You can work smarter. You can work more efficiently. You're going to be a happier person. You're going to have happier life. And, and it's just a simple thing. All you gotta do is get outside. It's amazing what it can do. And I find Personally, the gym doesn't do it for me. Running on a road does not do it for me. I like to be on dirt, and that's dirt, just my yeah. thing. But that Mountain isn't biking. everybody. I do so much on the road or indoors on the bike trainer um, that, yeah, it really starts to wear on you. And the best thing is to go. Um, I've got a sidewalk of all things. It's the closest thing I've got um, that goes, but it goes through tons of trees. And mm-hmm. it's, oh, the, re- the rejuvenating aspect of it is amazing. And then also mountain biking. And yeah. if I crash while mountain biking, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, no, crashing <laughs> here, you know, it's we're in the rolling prairie, you know, so no crash is that bad. Oh, yeah. It's not like going down the side of over a cliff or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, well, thanks for being on the show. And people can check out, obviously, Orange Mud. Go check out orangemud.com. They got, yep. like you said, tons of different uh, running packs and the talent. Go check out. People go check out the sleeves and see what I'm talking about with the uh, orange splatter. I just, yep. I mean, I did not see it until we started talking and it really caught my eye. I was like, oh, that is cool. And then the orange piping on the black backpack is really pro looking. 
And no, thanks. And then, okay, so what's the name? Oh, wait, here's your podcast right here. It's right on the Orange Mud website. Yeah, it's right on I the header. Subscribe to this one. Let's see. Oh, you've got a. Yep. Oh, not. Oh, dude. Hey, this is nice. Yeah, we, As a we, fellow we, podcaster, you're you're. Whoa, I need I need to do this. This is great. So he's got. I'm talking to the audience now. <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got every episode listed out. It's very easy to read. Um, it's hyperlinked, right? So you can just start listening. Yep. And then what you've done is the highlight of the podcast, like your main interview, yep, is in your orange mud color. Exactly. Yeah. And it's very easy to read. It's 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 like indexed. That is yeah. cool. Very, very yeah, cool. We've been slowly transcribing them. I have 23 episodes, I think, transcribed that I haven't even put up yet. I've, yeah. I've only put up a few, but, but you know, we do find a lot of people do ask for, for text. Um, I've just been slow to upload it. But, but we've, we've definitely had a very diverse audience between triathlon coaching, keto, doctors, uh-huh. psychological depression, <laughs> all kinds yeah. of crazy Oh, hey, I want well, two, two people you got here. You got uh, Tailwind, founder, yep. and then you've got Simon Ward. Who's a big time awesome. coach? Yeah, um, Cyril or Cyril, Cyril. Um, yeah. we just talked about the endurance paddling. You've got the. I don't know if it's the founder of Infinite Nutrition, but that's a big that's a big nutrition company. Yeah, Michael and, Fullen. Um, Primal Quest race director, and then okay, so you got all this. This is really and it's so easy to read. You got the Dirty Kansas Two Hundred race director. That's cool. That's a good. Interview, that was fun. But, and it's then, a good race. Um. One thing I wanted to mention to you since you're talking about diet is I've gone back and forth with keto and, and such. Mm-hmm. And um, one uh, one uh, metabolic wizard you might want to talk to is Rob Gray. I've been talking to him lately. He won, oh, yeah. he won Ultraman. Yeah. And he's got his own metabolic cart where he can measure on himself what actually burns fat and what burns carbs. Foods what? particular to him. Yes. And he's figured <laughs> it out how to do it for long distance racing. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I got to give him props. And then, um, yesterday before my swim, I swim on Monday mornings. And then this morning I, in my pantry, I had leftover, uh, I don't know when I bought it, but powdered MCT oil. Have you ever tried that? No, I've heard of it, but so what they do is they spray MCT oil on it's a maltodextrin substrate, but it's very little maltodextrin. It's just enough to turn it to powder, right? So it's very low carb. Um, so basically what happens is, is you can, can, you can carry it around a whole lot easier and it's not going to leak and get all over the place. <laughs> and, um, they're tiny little scoops. You know, one scoop is like 70 calories or 20 something calorie. Anyway, um, before yesterday's swim, and also before this morning's run, I did about 75 calories of that. And it comes in flavors and stuff. And mm-hmm. I put it in my coffee as um, they kind of they kind of marketed it as a creamer, you know? Right. And I had the uh, the most unbelievable level energy. And I would know, right? Because I'm always messing around with stuff and, I, and I'm always comparing. Um, energy levels, you know, this one fuel versus I'm like you, like I measure everything. And the MCT oil, somewhere around 70 something calories, a little while before you go work out is amazing. 
It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> you don't get a, you know, you don't get a high and then a low. It was just super, super even. And people ought to check out one way to, it's kind of, I think it's kind of expensive, but I haven't actually purchased it in a while. So I don't know if the prices have come down, but powdered huh. MCT oil is for people that are trying to do like keto and all of other stuff. Um, it's really, I gotta good. try that. Yeah. It's very, yeah, keep, very cool. I have, I'm definitely rookie status right now yeah. with figuring out my nutrition again. I, I felt like I've had my nutrition so flawless for these last you know few years now yeah. and now that I'm going keto, I think it's really screwing with me, and it's pretty. <laughs> It'll do that. Un, yeah. It's pretty not good timing, given that I'm running 100 miles on Saturday. So, kind of a little bit upset about that. And yeah. I knew, I knew. The thing is, I knew better. Yeah. I knew when I started doing this about eight weeks ago, I was like, "This is probably not smart, Josh." No. But I've never been good at being the smart guy. So, <laughs> so but <laughs> if you get Rob on, what he'll tell you is some sort of version of. You can go high carb right after a workout because your body stores it right in your muscles. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic for um, rebuilding your muscles. Yeah. And then as the hours fade, you know, one, two, three hours away from your workout, you start start doing uh, low carb, high fat again. Hmm. And then that sets you up so that your next your next workout, your muscles have plenty of glycogen, um, so that you have a good workout. Yeah. And, but in between, you're not really using that much carbs, but you're getting the carbs that you need. And right. uh, you can eat all the carbs you want while you're training and like right, right after. But then after that, you go back to low carb. And I've been <laughs> trying it over the past couple weeks and it seems to be working really well. Nice. But I'll people, have to hit him up, see if I can get him on. Yeah. The, I'd love to pick his brain. <laughs> the mistake that people make is they do low carb. The, what I was doing was low carb after the workout, somehow thinking I was training my metabolism, you know? Mm -hmm. to, and then um, what you're doing is you're just tearing up your muscles because you're not, after a workout, your muscles need to be rebuilt and you're depriving them of the fuel to do that. Yeah. Huh. So. Yeah. And that's where I, I'm still pretty green with what I'm doing. I mean, we've been doing definitely low carb every day, but. But I haven't, I haven't got the system down yet. Yeah. I haven't read up or studied it enough to, like, it's it's hard enough to get the diet right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. Like, it's it's, and I cook from scratch every day anyway. Yeah. But it's, uh, it was a whole different twist to be like, okay, cool, let's, like, fruit. I love fruit, yeah. and it was really weird to eliminate so much fruit. Um, and I haven't followed the diet perfectly because I really like apples, <laughs> so yeah. I, I haven't yeah. been perfect, but. But it's for dinners though. I, I've got it down pretty good. But man, I've been making some awesome dinners. It's been so exciting um, with cheeses. You know yeah. where I oh, historically yeah. back off on a lot of cheese, and now it's like cheese is your best friend. Yeah. Um, but uh, avocados, I've become even better friends with, which has been good. Oh. But yeah. uh, guacamole. But like, you know, yeah. It was yeah. So like last last year in in uh, Leadville Hundred, mm. you know, I saw a lot of ultra runners in previous races using avocados. So I decided mm. to. Why eat an avocado when I could eat guacamole? So yes. I made a Ziploc bag of guacamole. I left the cilantro out, uh -huh. but uh, which I normally put in mine. But but um, but I just literally would I'd open my Ziploc bag and eat just guacamole. And I had bacon in one pocket <laughs> with my guacamole, and then in the other pocket I had blueberries or peaches. I alternated between eight stations, and I'm gonna do the exact same thing this year. And I'm really excited about it. So, so there's so. a company called Holy Guacamole, and Holy as in whole whole food. Yeah. W Anyway, if you look hard enough, they make soft packets. Yeah, big, that's big, true. I've seen that. Big soft packets, like yeah. a half a pound or you know quarter pound, 
um, packets of guacamole. And what I've learned to do is you can cut the corner of them. So it's just a tiny little hole. And then you can <laughs> squeeze the guacamole out like it's cake icing. And then what nice. happens is you can fold that over when you're done uh -huh. and put like a clip on it or whatever you want to do. Uh, and the guacamole inside, because it's got citric acid, because of the, because it's actually got, you know, like lemon and lime juice and stuff. It right. acts as a preservative and it does not go bad for a long time. And you can nice. just squeeze it out like it's fuel, like it's gel. Yeah. And eat guacamole. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Is, so do you know, is there a metric with how many, um, I don't know, tablespoons of guacamole per hour that most athletes <laughs> should eat? <laughs> I, no. I don't, I don't know this metric. But people should know that, you know, avocados – which is the main, the ingredient is, um, they're, I think they're kind of high in fiber. So you might want to kind of keep an eye on that and not pack your guts with fiber. Really? I didn't know avocados were high in fiber. Yeah, I guess I never fiber. even looked at that. Um, huh. Yeah. So I, yeah. I was struggling with the, um, with the high carb, low carb, low, high fat, low fat, you know, all that stuff until I talked to Rob and, uh, he's a, he coaches this too. He's a professional coach in metabolism and <laughs> he, um, now it all all of a sudden started coming together like it's about timing and when to do it so I, yeah i'm glad i got you on oh, great name drop him because i owe him a name drop for all the success that i've been yeah having. sweet yeah. no i i uh i pulled him up here and made a note in evernote i'm gonna have to follow up with them for a podcast oh, for sure yeah cool awesome man well it's been great talking to you likewise brother and uh yeah i feel like uh you and i come from the same kind of background there so this is really really yeah. great Glad to have you no, on. Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. You got it, man. Have a good one. All right. Thank you very much, Josh Sprague. And uh, yeah, you can definitely go check them out at orangemud.com and, and uh, support them. Good stuff. He's a fun guy to talk to. And let's see. I am sitting at my computer right now in my training cave. I've got two bikes, a treadmill, and four fans. One, two, three, four fans sitting around me. One of them is remote control. Oh, it's the best. That way I can change the speed while I'm on the bike without having to get off the bike. But the, uh, the deal is, is I'm sitting in the training cave and I'm uh, waiting for a phone call, a Skype call, and I'm going to interview Jocelyn McCauley. Um, I don't like to promise things before they happen uh, for sure, but it is cool. We'll see if we can get this interview done. Uh, she's heading off to Hawaii, I think, next week. And we're trying to get this interview done. She's a uh, longtime, awesome supporter of Zentri. I've got a really funny story about how I met her. That if we get this interview to work, then um, I'll talk about it on the next episode. But she got 10th at Kona. And there's a formula for winning Kona. Is usually people first get like top 10. They work their way up to 10th and then like 5th and then 2nd and then boom, win. It takes a while to figure out Kona. My opinion, it takes a while to figure out how not to react to everybody else and just do your own race. You kind of got to get over it a little bit first, and then you can race um, as much and as well as you can. So we have that coming up, and I think that's about it for this episode. If you want to support Zentri, you find all these tips and info. I got a lot better stuff than, <laughs> than what I've given just in this show coming. But if you... Uh, if you've uh, enjoyed Zentri and you want to keep supporting or start supporting Zentri, you can go to zentriathlon.com and there is a PayPal uh, support button. I like it even better than, than Patreon. 
I don't know why, I guess because I've been doing it longer and I've got a little bit more control over it. But the, um, yeah, there's a uh, way to support the show. Go check it out. Go over to zenstrathon.com and check out the PayPal button. You can do a recurring donation or a one-time donation. I really, really like doing that. I love sponsors. Sponsors are the best. Um, but sometimes it's nice just to do um, your own thing completely and then uh, get the people to sponsor you if they enjoy what you're doing. So let's do that. Okay, that's it for this episode. Everybody stay safe out there and you know what's going to happen next. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. Oh, yeah.